Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. The Bible is the Word of God. It's the holy way in which God tries to communicate to us personally, and we take it very seriously that this is a holy text. It's one that's meant for our good, not for our evil. And so we study it together to, to find out what God has for us. If you have your Bible or your, your app, I want you to open it really quickly to uh, uh, 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17. It says this, um, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It strengthens us, it straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped to do every good thing God wants us to do. So I'm going to invite you just to put your hands out like this today, okay? And with me as I pray, just invite God's Spirit to enliven what we study together so that if it means that I need to get straightened out (laughs) or corrected or directed, whatever it is, make yourself open to it today. All right, invite God's Spirit to, to speak into your life. All right, let's, let's bow. God, we sit here with open hands, and we hope that it also signifies our open hearts and our open minds to be taught, to listen, and to apply the Scripture to our life in the way that you want us to today. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. All right. Well, I had to do that because um, we're going to be uh, covering some ground together that's really f- fun and interesting and confusing. Okay, all at the same time. And it's, it's been it's been kind of interesting. I've been praying, Lord, what do we want to study together as a church for the next however long? And uh, and I kept coming back to one book. And it's been funny to hear a couple of people. Uh, mention in testimonies and a few other places uh, as they were reading through the Bible last year that they got to this book and it's like, it's a stopper, you know? And so we're going to go through the book of Judges together for a while, all right? <clears throat> I just heard a couple of snickers. Okay, there you go. What in the world could be in that book that has anything to do with us, right? Uh, it's It was written so long ago. Well, this is God's holy word. It's a part of the the Old Testament, yes. And I know things have changed since Jesus has come. But uh, we believe that the whole Bible was inspired by God to teach us and direct us and sometimes to correct us, right? And we just we just said that and prayed that prayer. So um, we're going to start with Judges chapter 1. And, and one of the reasons I love this book is because... Everything 
that goes around comes around. Uh, we are we are such cyclical people. Um, and uh, if you stop and think, I mean, what are some of the things that have gone and come back around? Um, they they used to have uh, you know tight jeans way back in the 1950s, and um, and now they're called skinny jeans, right? And, and yet they're kind of going away now again, right? I mean, it was it was there, it came back, and I think it'll come back again someday. All right, uh, long hair, short hair, isn't that amazing? Uh, one where that picture was taken in the 1950s, and the other one is current. It looks pretty similar, doesn't it? All right. Um, it goes around, it comes around. Uh, long hair, short hair. I, I'm, I'm sure that everyone is hoping, I haven't seen it come back yet, but we're hoping that the leisure suit comes back, right? <laughs> Anybody? Still, still got one? No. Oh, man. I thought about wearing one, you know, going to the place and getting one today, but yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, you know, do you remember that phrase? And some of you are familiar with this song. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. Right. We all know that one. And that's a mover. Right. You know, that was uh, that was actually um, recorded in 1969 by the Isley Brothers. But did you know that the lyrics were a little bit different, but they were actually written over twenty five hundred years ago? Right. Um, Judges chapter 21, verse 25 says this. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Translated, contemporary translation, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. I mean, isn't that where we live today? I mean, we don't want to be judgmental. And so we say, hey, you know, if that's the way you think, if that's the way you want to live, it's your thing, do it. Just don't hurt anybody in the process, hopefully, right? But that's where we are at. It's okay. Do what you think is best in your own eyes. And so that's the last part of Judges. But we're going to go back now to the story as it begins and see how in the world did they ever get that to that place, right? So if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, get, get it open to Judges chapter 1. And uh, as we start this, we need to realize that this is the, the recorded history of God's people, Israel, between the time of Moses and Joshua and the time of the first kings of Israel, when they didn't have a king yet, and they didn't have really a significant leader in place. And so they were kind of floundering. Who's going to lead us? Uh, how are we going to move to the next level, if you will, right? And so it, it was actually a time of uh, spiritual pluralism, very similar to today. Many, many, many gods, many, many different ideas and ways in which you would connect with God and get to that next level of spirituality or attain some kind of supernatural, eternal life. Um, lots of diff- uh, different ways, religions, different gods being worshipped in all kinds of different ways. Uh, it was literally a smorgasbord of religion and very similar to what we're at uh, today in the, in the position that we're in. Uh, it was a time when, when God's chosen people were living among the pagans, 
Now, we don't like to use that word anymore because it's kind of an insult if you called someone a pagan. Um, It brings all kind of crazy ideas to mind. But basically, it was a time when God's people were, were daily faced with living among people who didn't believe in the same God that they believed in or said they believed in, didn't follow his ways the way they did. And it was a time when, when God's, quote, chosen people were living among the pagans of the day. And they had a choice between looking to the true God and following his ways or being absorbed and maybe influenced by the society that they lived in. So it's a pretty sad tale, actually. Um, some people described it as a sad tale of despicable people doing despicable things. Um, and even the heroes had serious flaws. We're going to find out. And it seems like it, it, it is a cyclical book covering hundreds of years where it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And that sounds pretty depressing, doesn't it? <laughs> We're going to be in this for a while. Uh, so why is it even in the Bible? Well, because um, it's part of the story of the gospel. And we need to concentrate on the fact that these were God's chosen people. God is still not willing that any should perish, but that all should come and come to repentance, to come to that place where they could be reconnected with their creator. God still desires that for all people and and ultimately, it reveals the nature of God, who is who is relentlessly graceful. He 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 continues to provide grace and mercy and compassion to the people that he draws to himself. And time and time and time again, we see people who make bad choices. Get a second chance. Isn't that us? Have you made a few bad choices in your day? Maybe even today you made some bad choices. I I don't know. But we all know ourselves and we know how we are all prone to failure. To not living up to the standard that we know God would like us to, to be. Not because he wants us to be Perfect Perfection is provided through the life and the death, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us. Amen? So our sins are covered. We, we've been forgiven, but we know deep down inside that there is a, a life that God created us to live that is beneficial not only for us, but for those that we live with and those that we are trying to influence to bring them back to a realization of how loving their God and their creator is. Okay? So, um, chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, uh, after the death of Joshua, excuse me, the Israelites asked the Lord, which tribe should go first to attack the Canaanites? Now, you remember, uh, God led them out of Egypt through the wilderness, they had a little hiccup there after about two years when they, they got to Canaan and then God said, go in and take it. And what happened? Remember, they sent 12 spies in. They came back. Ten of them were chicken feet. And they said, no, they're too big. Their chariots are made of iron. They're giants. Um, we can't take them, God. And then who? Joshua and Caleb said, let's do this. And they 
basically as a nation rebelled and said, nope, we're not going. And so they wandered around in the wilderness for another 38 years. They finally come to the doorstep again. And uh, so who's left? Moses is gone, right? Moses is gone. Joshua now um, is here and he dies. Now, what are we going to do? Well, God then answers and he says, okay, I want Judah to go first. I have given them victory over the land. Now, here is the God of the universe who provided man in the wilderness, water from rocks. He, he maintained them uh, for 40 years, right? He was faithful to them and all powerful. And he says, I want Joshua to go first and I want you to attack the Canaanites. And uh, he says, I've given them victory. And then the men of Judah said to their relatives from the tribe of Simeon, join with us to fight against the Canaanites living in the territories allotted to us. Now, the territories were of Canaan were divided into, into 12 different sections to give one section of Canaan to every tribe of Israel. And so now Judah is told by God, go in, you take your land, I, the victory is yours. It's subtle, but did you see something happen here? Immediately, what happened? They don't want to go in by themselves. They asked Simeon, why don't you guys come with us? Just a little extra insurance, right? Now, what happens is uh, they don't believe God fully. They don't believe God, and so they invite their, their relatives to, uh, uh, to come with them. And then it goes on and it says, then uh, we, we'll help you conquer your territory. You help us, we'll help you, right? And so the men of Simeon, they went with Judah, and they attacked. And the Lord gave them victory over the uh, Canaanites, the Pezzarites. The, uh, the uh, Pezzarites were defeated, and Judah attacked Jerusalem and captured it. And Judah marched against the Canaanites in Hebron and defeated them. And then the Lord was with the people of Judah, and they took possession of the hill country. But, right, but they failed to drive out the people living in the plains who had iron chariots. Iron chariots were the uh, the tanks of the day, right? I mean, you don't mess with people who have iron chariots. What happened? What happened? God said, take them all out. And they said, well, we'll do everybody except the guys that are the toughest, the hardest to move out. And so they didn't. They left them there. They left them alone. Um, what was it? I mean, from the very beginning, when God speaks into our life, something happens. Either faith or fear kicks in. God never asks you to do anything that is beyond his ability to help you accomplish. Okay? Question, do we believe it? Well, we can be be fearful because to conquer land, to stop doing something or to start doing something, start acting a certain way or, or stop acting a certain way, sometimes that, that brings fear to us. We don't think we can accomplish it. And so we stop. We'll, we'll go this far being a Christian, 
But then we get to that one spot and we go, no, that one's too hard. A lot of time it has to do with maybe confessing a certain sin to a brother or sister that needs to be confessed so that you can put that aside. You can put that one to death. Right? But we keep it to ourselves. We're too afraid of exposure and so we don't go there. And so we live with it in our land. And then we have another um, another illustration here in, in verse 20. The, the town of Hebron was, was given to Caleb and Moses uh, that... that it had been promised him. And Caleb drove out the people living there who were descendants of the three sons of Anak. Now that, that group of people were actually the descendants of Goliath's family. Remember Goliath in scripture? Okay. He was a giant and, uh, close to almost 10 feet tall. And think about that. Wouldn't you like him out on Thursday nights, John? That'd be great, right? Play a little basketball with him <laughs> on your team. Yeah. Okay. But so he went, now this is just a little, a little section in scripture, but think about it now. Who did what God told him to do? It was Caleb. It was the one 40, you know, 38 years ago who said, let's do this thing. We can accomplish this with God's help. And so he went in and he was given a town and he cleared it out. And that's all it says. It says. But then it goes on. It says, but then Benjamin, however, failed to drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. Again, uh, verse 27, the tribe of Manasseh failed to drive out the people living in Bethshan and Tanakh and Dor and Elbium and Medigo, Megiddo and uh, surrounding settlements because the Canaanites were determined to stay in that region. They had resistance and their resistance was too much for them. They, they just finally, okay, I'll get in. I mean, do we settle for it's just too hard? It's just too difficult. I've tried, Lord, to do what you call me to do, to live the way you want me to live, to act the way that you want me to act, um, to manage my resources the way that I know that the Scripture says. But, you know, I, I try and it's, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. There's too much resistance, God. And so we stop. And that resistance remains. And we don't go further in and do what we're called to do. Um, Another section, uh, verse 28. When the Israelites grew stronger, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves. But they never did drive them completely out of the land. Now, this is a very interesting scenario. Well, you'd say, well, that's kind of a good deal, right? I mean, uh, they didn't drive them out, but they made them slaves. What's very interesting is remember that the Israelites were slaves in the land of Egypt. And they were forced to do some pretty amazing things. They were part of some pretty big building projects, I imagine. Right? Isn't it interesting that what they hated most, what oppressed them in such a terrible way, a whole nation made into slaves, that's what they wanted to do to the Canaanites. Now, there's something else a little more subtle here. And it's this. They didn't get rid of the Canaanites 
because it wasn't to their economic advantage. How many of us have wondered about, well, should I not do that because it's kind of fun? Having those resources are to my advantage. You know that that still, as long as I've been alive, the, the number for for Christians donating to Christian causes has remained the same percentage for my entire life, between two and three percent of their income. Now, some would argue immediately, well, you know, a tithe in the New Testament is, doesn't even exist. Actually, the tithe in the New Testament by example, went up by exponentially a lot more than 10%. When Zacchaeus was, was converted, what did he say? From this point, from this day, when I became a Christian, I think I just went dead. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, what I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor. He shot from 10% to 50 like that. Interesting, isn't it? And the other example we have in the New Testament is the, is the little lady who had just had two pennies to rub together. And she gave what? She gave it all. So somewhere between 50 and 100%, maybe where do we need to settle? Right? Just saying. Right? And, and yet some people, they hold back. Why? It's maybe a lack of trust that I could get by on 90%? Is that it? It's to my economic advantage to have more money than not? That, does, it, does it wash over into our life? I think we're human, and I think we think the same way that they thought. There, there's an economic advantage to not doing what God calls me to do. Interesting. Another one in verse 31, the tribe of Asher failed to drive out the residents of Akko, uh, Sidon, Halab, uh, boy, I can't even pronounce all these things, okay? Uh, instead, the people of Asher moved among the Canaanites who controlled the land, for they failed to drive them out. Now, see, we're at a, a whole other level. They didn't drive anybody out, and, and they just, they said, oh, we'll just fit in where they are. And we'll say that the Canaanites, as they controlled the land that they had, and they were okay with it. And they were completely okay with it. It says, instead they moved among the Canaanites who controlled the land. As for the tribe of Dan, the Amorites forced them back in the hill country and would not even let them come down into the plains. The land that they were given by God that says, go in, take it, it's yours, I'm giving you the victory. They started and the people just pushed them out and said, you're not even going to be here. And they pushed them all the way back up into the hill country. This is not yours. It's ours. You can just take a hike. And they, and they went back. They didn't even advance. They didn't even engage, right? And then we see the, the kind of conclusion of this little section in, in chapter 2, verse 1. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum, and he said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt into this land that I swore to give your ancestors. And I said, I would never break my covenant with you. Now, stop right there. A covenant is agreement between two parties. 
This one makes a promise here, but this one also makes a promise. That's a covenant. It's two-sided. What God had just said to them is, I made, I kept my side of the bargain. I kept my side of the bargain that we made. But he said in verse 2, for your part, your side of the covenant, right? You were not to make any covenants with the people living in this land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars, but you disobeyed my command. And here's a great question. Why did you do that? Now, I, I don't know about you if you ever envision yourself in this position. But can you imagine standing in front of God Almighty, creator of the universe, the one who created you, and he asks you a question. You know, um, when we got back together, you know, my son died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And and uh, and I, I told you that I would send the Holy Spirit to live inside you and empower you to live the way you were created to live. And you didn't do it. What, why? What is our answer? I was too afraid. It was too difficult. It wasn't to my economic advantage. I mean, is there a good answer for that? Especially when he said, I'm, I am with you. I'm always with you. All the power of the universe is at your disposal. And the things that I ask you to do, they might be difficult. But you know, that's when the miracle takes place. We so want to see God do a miracle in our life, but we're not willing to accomplish or even attempt to go there because there's too much pressure. It's just too hard. I don't know about you, but there are certain things in my life that were very hard to overcome. When you finally come to that place and you realize that this is for my good, not for my, not, not for intended for evil. This will maybe be the, the biggest miracle that people will see in me that will help to transform their idea about how God is the God of the miraculous. But sometimes that takes a huge boatload of humility. Overcome the fear of confession, right? Or just being in a place where God can do his thing, his way, so he can be glorified in your life. So that's a great question. Why? Why? Well, I think the whole thing here really hinges on on kind of one thing, and that is in verse 3 it says this, Now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. They will be thorns in your side, and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. And when the angel of the Lord finished speaking to all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they called that place Bokim, which means weeping. And they offered sacrifices to the Lord there. So my question is, what's your thing? 
What's your thing that maybe you need to relinquish and to give back to God's control? It's a good question. It's a good question. And there's a life application. I encourage you to go through that this week. Take it seriously. Maybe there's some land that needs to be taken in your life. And maybe it's just as simple as as a certain television show that you're hooked on that you know you really shouldn't be identifying with, right? Um, maybe it's spending your resources in a way that you could redirect toward generosity to someone who has less than you have. I don't know what it is. Every one of us has our own land that maybe has not been taken yet. But I want you to note something. It's going to continue to be a thorn in your flesh unless you deal with it. Right? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all have those things that... that and and here, here's, the, here, here's a real key for me I found to be in my life. 99% of my problem with sin that is that thorn in my flesh has to do with proximity. I keep it a little too close. It, it, it's just a little too available to me. And how many times I've said, no, I'm not going to do that, but I don't throw it away. Now, don't make fun of people who might choose to discard something that maybe even be very valuable because that is the thing that is actually the thorn in their side that's causing them to do or to live or be a certain way that they know they shouldn't. Okay? I've known people who have sold homes because they bought beyond their means. And one of the reasons they can't tithe is because they have too much debt. They bought more than they could afford. And so they, they had to sell and downsize for practical reasons. The practical reason is because I want to live in the space and live in the way that God calls me to live. To be loving, to be generous, to be kind, to be merciful to others, right? Um, some of us are going to have to sacrifice our freedom of speech in criticizing other people, right? I mean, it's endless. There are many, there are many things out there, many thorns out there, as we can imagine, right? Just start with one today. Ask God to open your heart and your mind to be available, to let the Spirit speak into your heart, to see how you can realign yourself to whatever God calls you to, to accomplish, whatever land He wants you to give back to Him. Um, let him have his way and believe in your heart that it is possible to do that and ask for the courage to be able to share that with someone. Maybe we do need help of someone else to overcome in an area where we're weak or we have that, that temptation that's constantly looming there because we haven't set it aside permanently, right? So today's a, a day of examination, as probably every day should be, right? But uh, let's pray and let's ask God to make us aware 
and then give us the courage to move in and take the land that he gives us, all right? Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, this scripture that, honestly, it just drops way too close to home. Um, Lord, I know that there are certain areas in my life that that uh, I kind of go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth on, uh, either because it just feels good or I'm used to it or it's just too hard or I'm afraid what people might think of me um, to set something aside or say, you know, what I was doing was wrong and I have to admit that and I need to move move away from it. Um, Lord, we are, are all in the same spot. We know that we have been forgiven. We know that you love us desperately, but we know that we are all human and we're prone to do our own thing. We don't like to be told what to do, but God, we pray that today you would, again, open our hearts to remember that you call us to do these things and to be these kinds of people because you love us. You love us and you want us to experience the the renewed life that you call us to. So God, whatever it is that each of us are dealing with, we ask that your spirit would speak to our hearts, help us to take that next step in uh, to become more and more holy that you call us to, to be. So God, we love you. We thank you in advance for how you're going to do the miraculous in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.